0: Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you. And I just want to say, so that everyone hears... um, My dad is a preacher, and one thing he used to always say, now that we have some young babies, more young babies in church, that when a baby cries in church, it's not a bad thing, but it's a really great thing for the preacher. And so, just want Harper, and I want Ava, y'all have my permission. If you start crying, I know sometimes for moms, that can be stressful. Oh, no, I'm distracting everybody. I'm annoying. Nope. Everyone in here is so glad to hear babies cry in church. So, I'm really thankful uh, to be able to, to have that. I told Catherine, we've just tripled the infants in our church like that I mean how many church in America can say that so um, but uh, uh, anyway we've been going through this series uh, in Colossians and I want to use an illustration I think if, if this illustration doesn't land, no illustration ever will. But I want you all to think of the first time you drove a car with, and I don't, see, I don't know what that was like for some of the people that aren't as young as me in this uh, crowd. But like, uh, part of me thinks that some of y'all were driving like when you were 11 years old. I don't know. But like, did, whenever you, you got a permit, did you have to have a parent in the front seat to drive, ride with you? I don't, like, I don't know how new that is. But I still remember, no matter, you know, where you grew up, driving or learning how to drive, there came a point in the process where you had to merge onto a busy street or merge onto a highway, right? Everybody at some point or another in your driving life has had that moment where, for me that was the hardest part about learning how to drive, was the going from 35 on the axis road and then it's going 70 on the highway and having to speed up, but you don't want to you know just throw yourself in there but you kind of have to and then also knowing like I'm driving straight but I have to look over my shoulder and keep looking to see if it's clear you know you see what I mean and now if now that I describe it as an adult you're like that just feels like second nature right but there was a time when that was not second nature for you and and the point that I want to talk about is that all of us no matter what job you have no matter what you do with your life there comes a point where you've gotten all the little instructions that you can get on what you need to do for your job, what you need to do for a task, and then there eventually comes a point where you have to go ahead and you know put the rubber to the road where you've got to actually go out there and do what you have been training for. So I think about people who are medical professionals whether you're a nurse or a pharmacist or a, a doctor you take a lot of classes, but there comes that point where you're the one that has to put the IV in, and it's a real patient. Or you're the one that has to stitch the person up, or or I mean, you go even further than that. You're the one that's taking care of a, of a person that has, is having open heart surgery. And you don't get to say, just a second, pull a book off your shelf, look through, watch a YouTube video. OK, let's see. Uh, OK, I'm supposed to cut here. You know, you don't, you don't get to do that anymore. You have to take your training and it's time to, to be a doctor. Or I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a soldier or a cop or a firefighter. We've got some cops, former cops and former firefighters in here. You can go through all the simulations you want and all the trainings you want. But when you get the call that a house is on fire and that there's a family inside, I can't really imagine what that's like, the tension of, all right, all the training hopefully it's stuck but in in many ways you just you got to get in there and do it and and get the job done and so today what we're going to talk about is that part of this this passage that we're going to read today is probably i would argue the um maybe the, the crux of the the letter of Colossians where in a lot of ways Paul, what Paul is going to tell us is he's going to say you've gotten this wisdom you've gotten this training but now it's time to go do it now it's time to go live as a Christian so we're going to look at that so let's read if you would follow with me we're going to read Colossians 2 1 through 7 and uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of I'm not going to read it and then go back. I'm going to read, and as I go, I'm going to highlight some things that are, I think, worth mentioning. And so Paul, he says to the to the church, he says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. Laodicea is a church that's nine miles away, and, and he says at the end of the letter, whenever you finish reading this letter I'm writing, let the, let the Laodiceans read it, and I've written a letter for the Laodiceans, and I, I want you to read the letter I wrote for them. And so he says... I am working so hard for y'all, for all who I have not met personally, because remember, Paul didn't found this church. He, he's encouraging this church that he's never met before face-to-face. I'm doing everything I can. My goal is that they may be encouraged, this, these churches, that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have, the, may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. This idea of his goal is what we've been seeing him saying all along. He's saying, I'm, I, I'm wanting you to grow to know Christ more, grow in this wisdom and knowledge of, of this mystery that we have. And he, he tells us clear as day what the mystery is about. But the thing I want to point out first is this phrase where he says, I want you to be united in love. And I think one thing that's crucial is that for Paul's goal for you to really know Christ, for you to really become mature spiritually in your wisdom, that cannot happen alone. There is no such thing as knowing the full mystery of Christ. There's no such thing as knowing uh, all the wisdom that comes from being a follower of Christ as an individual. It only can come when you are in a community growing in that that love that you have from being a part of a community. I have a friend from college, his name is Micah Conway, and his, his mom and my mom were friends at ACU. And he, his parents, they were missionaries in Nairobi, Kenya, and they, they, his parents still live there. He's lived in Kenya his whole life. And I remember when he came to ACU, and we were, we, we were just a few rooms down the maybe uh, first east from each other at ACU. And I remember we became friends, and we, we got to connect my, my grandfather and his grandfather they would, my grandfather's from Troop, Texas, his grandfather's from East Texas and they would go on, I don't know what it is exactly but I think it was basically like a, a thing where uh, you would ride on this, this equipment that would help with people's like hay and stuff or something like that and basically they would go from farm to farm for the people who couldn't afford to have their own and they would work this, these crops together. Anyway, Micah and I became good friends but one thing he would always say to all of us who were good friends, he would say You won't ever know me until you come to Kenya. You will never truly know me until you come and see me in Kenya. And I think, you know, I think about, uh, for those of you who grew up here, I imagine, you know, Weston, if he has friends, he might have really close friends, but no one really knows Weston until they've been to Clifton, Texas before. You know what I mean? You, can you relate to that? That feeling of, you won't know me until you've ridden around, you know, my family's property, or you won't know me until you've, uh, you know, seen the kitchen table that I ate at for 18 years every day. You, you, you get what I'm saying? And what I believe Paul is saying here is he's saying, I want you to know about this complete understanding. And I hope that you're united in love because you won't really get to be a part of this. You won't really understand it and grasp it fully if you're not doing it in a community. And so now let's go back to this part where it says, this, we're still in verse 2 where it talks about this mystery of God, namely Christ Christ. Paul has been saying, and he even mentioned it in our last sermon, he talked about this mystery that he gets to be a steward of that he gets to share with people and the idea is is that you've got all these people this happened back then and this happens today people who want to try and tell you that they know the secret, the secret to the happy life, they know the all the things that you can do if you just do this you're going to be so happy, your, your mood's going to be great, everything's going to go great and and this Back then, it was much more of a, well, if you know the secret to following these gods or these different things, your crops are going to go well, your family's going to be blessed. And Paul basically says, you know, all these false teachers that you may be hearing who are saying that they know the secret or the mysteries of God's truth. Paul says, I am a steward of that mystery, and you know what the mystery is? The mystery is Jesus Christ himself. That's it. It's him. And then if we keep reading in verse 3, it says, In Christ... Are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and so we've. You're probably getting tired of me bringing this up, but wisdom in the Bible is the pursuit of God, the fear of God. It is not about how good your ACT score is or your SAT score. If you are, a, if you are a really. Simple minded person, but you spend your life pursuing God and fearing God, you are wise and you have knowledge. If you are someone who's a brainiac and you can quote all these facts and figures, but you do not make your life about pursuing God, according to scripture, you are a foolish person, right? And so, one of the things that he says is he says, In Christ, all of us who spend our lives treasure hunting and seeking and trying to pursue this wisdom and this truth, all those All that silver, all that gold that you're trying to find is found in Christ. It it sounds a lot like from Proverbs 2, 3 through 6, which is a you know a book about wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 2, 3 through 6 says, Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, the pursuit of God, the Treating God as Lord, who he's supposed to be. And you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Paul is saying, we've been searching for this. Any of you who are out there, just like a person going out to find buried treasure. Uh, you're looking for the map. You're looking for the where the, what's the X meets the spot. That's the phrase of where the, the treasure's hidden. It's Jesus Christ. That's where it is. And Paul is saying you know i've been i've been telling this message to you so now in verse 4 we'll keep reading he says i tell you this so that no one may deceive you with fine sounding arguments you you get the image that people in this community in Colossae are trying to draw them to different things. Uh, well, you know, Christ is important, but you got to do this to really have wisdom, or you got to you got to know this to really be spiritually deep. And he's saying, don't be deceived by those things. So for even though I am away from you physically, I am present with you there in spirit. I am absolutely. With you, my heart is there with you. And I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ, that you're standing firm against these false teachings. And so now we get to, in my opinion, the, the crux of, of probably the whole letter. Many people would argue that what we're about to read from verses 6 and 7 is a culmination of everything that he's already talked about and is a foreshadowing, and a, everything that comes after it will just be an echo of this verse right here. So then, Paul likes to say that a lot. He'll talk and talk and talk and then he'll say, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, the Lord of all creation, the Lord of new creation, that beautiful poem that we read a couple weeks ago, just as you received that Jesus Christ as Lord over all the universe, the one who came and died for you and who has forgiven you and given you new life, Just as you received him, continue to live your lives in him. That right there is the commission of the letter. Live your lives in Christ, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This phrase, receiving Christ, I think uh, many of us, I don't know what you think of whenever I said, have you received Christ yet? You might be thinking of, have you... uh, I don't know what you think of you know we hear phrases with different I I don't know if I I don't remember really hearing this in my in Church Christ denomination but I've heard other people talking about um, receiving Christ into your heart as Lord this idea of welcoming him him into your heart the bottom line is that this phrase received Christ as Lord is basically just saying we came and we taught you the gospel and you either received it or you didn't which means you either said I'm going to I'm going to follow that or I'm not. You know, in those passages in Luke where Jesus tells his disciples, when you go into a a home or a city, may your peace pass to them, the peace of God, the wholeness that comes from knowing God. And the idea is that they will either, if, if they accept your peace, then eat with them. If they don't, then leave that town. And it's this idea that there's no, oh yeah, I heard about Jesus. I heard, it is, you received it, the faith of this Jesus Christ is Lord, or you didn't. And so Paul is saying, just then, just as you received and you accepted this truth, this tradition that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all creation. He is the Messiah. He is the one we've been waiting for. He is the mystery, the wisdom incarnate. Just as you received him, continue to live your lives in him. And then he gives these images of a tree and of a building. He uses this image of... Just like a tree, a tree doesn't get to be planted and then one day you walk outside in your backyard and you're like, how did that tree end up over there? I've never had that happen. Um, The way a tree works is where it's planted is where its roots go down deep. You know, some, you could maybe even use the phrase, this isn't the same, but some would say, remember where you come from. You know what I mean? You have your roots somewhere. And that's what Paul's saying. While all these people are trying to convince you of these different truths about Jesus, remember where you were planted. You were planted in this soil that Christ is Lord and that nothing else takes any priority. Frankly, everything is so minuscule compared to the truth that we're holding on to, which is that Christ is Lord. And then he also uses the image of a building and this idea that this church and and young Christians they are they're not a completed finished building but they have been built on a foundation and that Christ is continually building that foundation upon them but don't foundations don't move good foundations don't move. you know don't forget that your faith in Christ has been built on this foundation and the the last thing I want to talk about with this section before I really get to the point is you can't really tell this necessarily from reading it And I think many of you have probably heard this sermon before. And if you haven't, this is a sermon that I feel like I've heard many times. Once you read this passage, here is what the preacher says next. So that means, Anna Marie, that means you know that y'all have got to root your roots deeper into Christ. That's what you need to do next. Or the next part, or you need to keep building your life. Or you need to keep strengthening your faith. But... If you really look at the language and stuff like that, the real message is that Paul is saying God is doing that work in you. Now, yes, I hope that you don't do things to to keep that from happening. I hope you fan that flame. But God is the one that rooted you. The Holy Spirit is the one that has planted you in this faith. God is the one that is building your life. God is the one that is strengthening your faith. He is the one that is at work in all of this. And so, uh, I'm going to... This image that Paul is describing is, as I said from the beginning, that you have all this training that you need in Christ. Yes, you may be immature. You may be just a foundation and just the the framing of a house. Yes, there's probably a lot of room for your tree to grow and expand, but... At this time, you've gotten your faith, you've been rooted, you've been planted, it's time for you to go and start living your life as a Christian, putting this divine wisdom of, of Christ into practice. Uh, the message translation of this passage does describes this better than, just as well as you could hope for any passage to describe this idea. Paul Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. My counsel for you is simple and it's straight... Oh, I'm going to skip that one. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the Master. Now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. God did that. You're well-constructed upon Him. God did that. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it, and let your living spill over into Thanksgiving. So I want to connect this back to what we talked about earlier, this phrase that really stood out to me, schools out, quit studying the subject, and start living it. I think for all of us we can all say, or we can, at least for me, that if you're a good employee or you're a good parent trying to train your child for something, at some level you have to give them a little bit of a crash course on what they're about to do, right? First time I rode a riding lawnmower, you know, that's the brake, that's the accelerator, that's the steering wheel. If you don't pull up the clutch, it's not going to start the first time. You see all that? But my dad didn't make me take like a six hour series on how to ride the lawnmower to drive, right? He said, get on the lawnmower and start driving. Every time I've ever gone fishing with Joe Bates, there's Joe. uh, So when I moved here, I kind of said, I I don't know really how to fish or how to hunt, and I don't ever see myself being a major fisherman or hunter, but I'd like to know enough that if, you know, heaven forbid, I got, you know, everything got wiped out and I had to go kill my own food or had to, I'd like to not be like, uh, you know, just completely lost. And so I'll ask Joe questions. We'll be fishing and I'll say, well, how do you do this, whatever. And he'll give me a little advice, but then 99% of the time he'll say, well, just go out and fish. Go out there fish for six hours, you'll get better at that. Does that make sense? This is what Paul is saying. We spend so much time in my, well, let me keep going. Like with your jobs, uh, I can think of a time where I got all the training in the world, but when the day came that a student in my youth group said that they were having depression and suicidal thoughts, and I had to go talk to the parents about that, all the training in the world goes out the window, except for the things that are rooted deep down. The things that are deeply implanted in me, those are the things that when you're there, you're just like, no matter what training you get, you got to just go live that out. And you got to be present in those moments. And I'm going to think back to that car driving analogy. How many of you, if you were 14 and had gotten no proper training about how to drive, how many of you probably could have done a decent job driving? You know why? You've spent 14 years of your life watching your parents drive the car. I didn't, you know, Landry Joe already, she'll, she'll, we'll pull up to a stoplight, she's not even three, and she'll say, it's red. And then, when it turns green, she'll say, you can go. <laughs> I'm not joking. She, she gets that, and she hasn't gotten, she doesn't know how to read yet. She doesn't have, but she's watched us drive. She knows that you drive on the right side of the road, I bet. I, those are things that you learn from going and doing it, and seeing people do it. And so what I want to encourage you is that the point that Paul is making is that we can spend all the time in the world we want making sure everybody knows all the facts and has all that, all the smarts. But, but what Paul is trying to say, hey, these false teachers are coming to your community and, call and, say, and they're trying to tell you you need to know all this stuff and you've got to be the smartest at all this stuff. Get that out of here. All you, you've got what you need. You were rooted in Christ. You're built on his foundation. Go and live as Christians. And I think some of us we think that living as Christians means coming here at 9 a.m. on Sunday and coming here at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night. And that's how you live as a Christian. That is, wh- This time is a time where we come as a community and we build each other up and we praise God. The rest of the time, we are living as Christians. We are going and living what it looks like to be a Christian, whether it's in your schools, whether it's at your job or in your family, whether it's in your social life. That is where Paul says, you've got to... It's time. You've got what you need. You've got the faith. You've got the training. Go out and live it. So for the Colossians, just as they have received Christ as Lord and they have been taught in the faith, you have the faith. Now you need to continue to live in that truth, that truth that you were planted in, that truth that God is strengthening you in. And at the end of all that, someone who has that truth, thankfulness is going to overflow from their life. That's what it says at the end of the passage. It says, let's see where it says it overflowing with thankfulness. It's just an outcome that comes from being a part of this life. And so my encouragement to you, before we close, is that you all know that time in your life where it was like, okay, it's time for you to actually get out of the classroom. It's time for you to go and do this. I'm ready to go and get out there. I'm ready to drive. I'm ready to get my chance to be the surgeon that's doing the surgery. I've I've taken enough classes. I've, I've read enough books. This is what Paul is calling us to, and I'm calling each and, all, each and every one of you to this. We can study, and I want us to study, and be enmeshed in God's Word, but I believe that true learning about the wisdom of God comes from being with people out there, serving people, loving God. If any of you would like to learn more about this wisdom that comes from the mystery of knowing Christ, we'd love to talk to you about that. And I believe this is a wonderful church family that is full of people that you can see what it looks like to live as Christ. And if any of you have any prayers, our elders are going to be standing at the exits, and I'd encourage you to come as we stand and sing.